0: This is Eerie Street, a podcast brought to you by Matriarch Theatre. Now we're all scared of something, from malevolent creatures in the dark to the pages of a cursed book. There is sure to be a fright waiting for you in the short stories ahead. Written and performed by young authors from across the country, this is episode two of Eerie Street. In this episode, you'll be hearing stories from Aista Ba and Arietta
1: Vavaresos. Now sit tight and enjoy.
0: been 12 minutes of riding on a terribly uneven road. We at last arrived. We hid and parked our bikes behind a large pine tree just outside the facility. We snuck around to the east side of the building to enter from a tarnished fence. Unity surprisingly pulled out large bolt cutters from her backpack. Where did that come from? I mumbled. You don't want to know, she muttered, then proceeded to cut a small hole big enough for both of us to squeeze through. We got past the fence and headed straight to the first window closest to us. I looked back down at the useless map we printed made in the 1980s. We got to the window but unfortunately realised it was a bit higher than we expected. Unity again took out some long thick rope from her backpack and attached a miniature metal hook onto it. She then aimed and tossed the rope up and shattered the narrow glass window which luckily hooked onto the edge of its worn out wooden frame. We prayed that nobody noticed or heard the glass burst and began to climb up one by one. We found ourselves in an extremely dim and enclosed room that smelt of dried up vomit. We then noticed frotting stain patches covering the entire floor and walls of the irrational room. I could tell how disgusted Unity was by the lopsided face she had made. We exited the room and explored a bit. We turned a curve into a hallway. Everything was dead silent until we heard some racket close by. We peeked and freaked out after realizing it was a family of rats scavenging for food. I gagged and without even blinking turned the other way. If mum ever found out I was here I'd probably be grounded for life, Unity shared. Well my mum wouldn't even care. She barely makes time to see me because she's always out of the house, I replied. We discovered some more and came across another quite odd room. This time, one that looked more like an old nurse's office, by guess. Everything was there, but it was all abandoned. We took a look inside and went through some old files dated way back from 2002. Unity continued going through the files while I wandered around the room until a mini-refrigerator caught my eye. Now I was tempted to open it. What could be in it? Years-old melted ice? Old needles? Maldi's salad? As I made contact, a horrid smell came with it. I slowly held onto the handle and opened the door, afraid of what my precious eyes would capture. I took a deep breath. Unexpectedly, all the shelves were left empty, but there was still something in the freezer drawer. As I pulled, I screeched in disbelief. My eyes were forever blinded. A finger. A full-sized human finger severed in the mini freezer drawer. Unity had already left the room when she finished with the files. Now I had to find her whilst trying to unsee what I'd just seen. I caught Unity off guard wandering around in another space. This room was quite large and fairly different to the others. It had the same miniature square tiles as the public pool changing rooms in town. It had a full wall of these weird rectangular-sized doors. There were about eight of them on top of each other. Each of the tiny doors had its own rusty metal handles. I was curious about what could be inside. Suddenly, we heard the sound of footsteps coming close. Then it stopped. Five unbreathable seconds later, the door handle was rotating. We immediately ran and hid into the first place we could, a tiny storage closet. As soon as we hid, we froze in complete silence. We could both easily listen to our hearts beat up and down whilst trying to catch our breath. The mystery person was a woman, assumed by the sound of her shoes. We were surprised that she hadn't realised the broken window yet. We picked up the sound of her wheeling something into the room. As curious as we were, we slightly opened the storage door to see what this mystery woman was doing. Her back was turned to us and we couldn't see her face. She was rolling what looked like a hospital bed. Unity and I both glanced at each other, making eye contact knowing that there had to be a dead body. We were both right. As she wheeled in the bed, a rotten hand revealed itself from the white covering sheet. Quick enough, I realised the hand was missing a finger. The woman unlocked one of the rectangular-shaped doors. Unity moved closer to take a better look, but accidentally bumped a bottle of liquid off of the storage shelf. The woman turned around startled and revealed her face. A familiar face. A face that's left me with questions. Suddenly we locked eyes. I stood there traumatised whilst Unity confusingly whispered in my ear, isn't that your mom?"
1: Our cinema never got a digital projector. That struck me as odd when I first started working there. One of those art deco heritage places with angular molding and yellow, round lights in the foyer. Door handles like you'd find on a golden age hotel. We played it up, of course. The whole retro thing, vintage movies. But even though we showed new releases, the blockbusters and all, we never replaced our hulking old beast, loaded up with reels and fragile film, clicking, clacking as it rolled on through. Nobody I asked ever really had an answer why. Not even Val, the ageing ex-punk who ran the place, who'd simply dangled her cigarette between manicured fingers and shrugged, curtly telling me to get back to the job. Clean the film, check it all, thread it, start it up. It was always just me and the mechanical whir and hum, over and over, sitting on an upturned crate. Never been much of a film person, exactly. I've always found things more affecting when you're left to imagine them. But work's work. The fact it offered time to myself was welcome. Maybe I liked it too much, really. A strange comfort in the loneliness of the booth. You get used to the lights being off and nothing but your flashlight and the thin, iridescent beam that dust dances through. Out to that other side, where the crowds didn't have the slightest clue. There was just that little window I saw the screen through, colours and forms that began to mean very little to me, hours on end. Click, hum, long shadows, muffled chatter, stretching, towering voids. I'd been running late that shift, held up sitting in the parking lot on speakerphone, trying to resolve a spat between my brother and his sister-in-law. Val had shot me a glare but said nothing. I'd shuffled to put on some comedy film that night, set the projector to groan and shudder to life and waited for the telltale buzz in the dark, the slightest acidic smell of the reel. Routine. Trailers started rolling, then opening titles. All good. Sat back on my milk crate and flipped open Mexican Gothic, pointing my flashlight intently at its pages. Muffled sounds of audience laughter from the other side of the wall. Speakers, blaring slapstick. It had been running for 15 minutes when I noticed the wrong reel was playing. Instinctively, I dropped the book and awkwardly leaned into the dark to switch off the projector. Sloppy, you'll get a write-up on this. I froze. This wasn't the wrong film. This wasn't a film at all. Where the film should have been some kind of CCTV footage, painfully grainy, and utterly empty, except for one figure. No distinguishable features. Barely a grey silhouette limping across the frame. Back turned, shadows that swallowed the edges of what could have been shoulders, neck, arms. The rest of the room it was in was dark, too dark. Slamming the emergency stop on the projector, a paralyzing chill burst against my skin, crawled over me like the scratching sounds of the reel juddering to a halt. The video kept playing. The thing ambling to something in the middle of the screen, something too dark to make out, While some American kept cracking jokes in the background through the speakers. Audio, I realised, was from what should have been playing. And then I heard the audience laugh again. Not a single sound of discomfort, disturbance, fear. None of the telltale sounds of a film glitch or corrupted tape interrupting a screening. Just laughter. Normal laughter. Normal laughter from a normal comedy. Filling the dark. And with a lurch of dread, twisting like a knife in my gut, I noticed that my booth seemed darker too. Darker, as though the corners disappeared entirely. Enveloping the boxes of reels into a void that seemed less and less like only a fog. My flashlight piercing through it and casting long shapes across long shapes until nothing seemed solid at all. Like there was only me. That projector I waved my hands in front of tried to block anything, anything at all and that grey thing floating there, it seemed. No way to tell where the screen ended and the hall began. No, that wasn't it. They had no idea I was there, that crowd. No, the only clear thought I could think, my neck stiffening, was that something was watching me. I didn't know what, I didn't want to know what. in the dark, the dark I'd spent the last 11 months in, the dark that had become as much a friend as any to me I'd never been so terrified to try and turn around and then the figure on the screen did in that moment I realised its motions were familiar to me they were the motions I did every day the motions of setting up a reel, flicking the right switches, checking it all. The thing it had been reaching to was a projector, not a digital one. We never bought a digital one. Nobody could really explain why we still used the old one. That pitch black room it was in was my booth. And there, carved out in harrowed contour on the static figure's face, was my own the shadows shrinking and swarming me in that claustrophobic room with an unrelenting cold indifference the watching the eyes I felt bury into the back of me like a drill bit through my spine the dark the dark the dark why was it squirming around me brushing against itself and seeming to burst at its own seams. The dark, this whole time, suddenly a year of my life, cast in the starkest of vulnerability. The absence of light wasn't just the absence of light. No, I wished it was an absence. I wished it was an absence of anything, prayed to a god, whatever one was out there, whichever one would allow for this to happen, that it was an absence. It was filmed from behind, watched from behind, behind where I couldn't bear to look. I did not scream or batter the little glass window with dull, panicked thuds none of the audience would hear, drowned in a corny joke and their own sickly, saccharine laughter. I didn't drive my fists into the projector over and over in desperate punches or try to kick out the lens with my heel. No, I found myself completely, utterly fixed on the grey figure that moved like me, looked like me, completely, utterly knowing I couldn't move, heaving shoulders, completely utterly terrified as that damn chatter echoed in the void. Completely, utterly terrified of the fact something had decided to choose me. Then a sudden knock and squeak of a hinge and it was all over, it all evaporating instantly as I found myself yanked back into the dull fluorescence in ramshackle room flooded with a yellow light from the door that sent me tripping over backwards, crashing into the projector, disorientingly, horrifically normal. That was how Val found me. On the floor, eyes wide and panting raggedly, looking down at me with a stern disdain that barely masked confusion. And she told me only one thing. The film had ended two hours ago.
0: thank you for listening to eerie street if you like what you heard please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcatcher until next time stay eerie